and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As you're seated today, if you'll grab your Bible or something with your Bible on it and turn to Joshua chapter 6. And you'll want to keep your Bible open this morning to Joshua 6 because we're just going to camp out there this, this morning and unpack that today. If you have the Version Bible app, as you see on the screen, you can open it up, follow along with the points and the scriptures as we go today. And uh, if you are new to our church family or haven't been here in the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a Bible reading plan. Uh, we're 14 days in, so there's still plenty of time for you to get in with us. And I think I got some help. Someone's going to help me this morning with these cards. And if you're new to our church family and you don't have one of these cards, we want to make sure that you get one of those. They're on the, um, they're on the, four, I'm sorry, they're on the, um, Welcome Center as you walk out this morning and you can get one of these and you can follow along. They're also on the website and they're also on the app. So make sure you're reading along with us as we're going through uh, Fierce 40. As you're continuing to settle in, I want to make one other announcement today and just remind you it's been in the, uh, the video announcements and you've probably seen it on our website if you've been there lately. We have two ministries that are going to begin on Thursday, September the 1st, here at our church, Divorce Care and Grief Share. And both of those ministries are, are tailored to minister to people who have lost someone. It may have been recently or even years ago, and you're still healing from that. Or maybe you've gone through a divorce, and both of these ministries are going to start on Thursday night, September the 1st. We need you to register online and uh, we are really excited. And this, this ministry being in place, it is an answer to prayer that we've been praying for several years that these ministries would be able to happen in our church. And uh, we're excited about offering those to you. So let's look at Joshua chapter 6 this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Here we go. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. And no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times, with the priest blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua son of Nun called the priest and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, that stories that are thousands of years old find perfect relevance to where we are today. And I pray today that as we unpack a familiar and ancient story, that we would see ourselves right here, Lord, that you would bring a challenge to us. You would convict our hearts 
and you would bring change in this house. Anoint me to speak, anoint your people to hear, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you would say this morning that fall is one of your favorite times of the year? Let me see your hand this morning. Man, that's a lot of us. Are we excited or what? We're not there yet, but we can see it coming. It's getting close. And it means that the temperatures are going to get a little cooler. All you pumpkin spice latte, pumpkin spice everything, people are going to be fired up for pumpkin spice everything. And for me, I love fall because I love football. Football season's about to start back. High school started this week, college is two weeks away, the NFL's three weeks away, and here's what that means. It means that every coach in America is preparing that first speech. You know, that first speech that says, this is our year. This is a year that we're better than last year. Everything that we prepared for, we're going to make it happen this year. And last week we talked a little bit about movies and movie sequels, and when it comes to sports movies and these types of pre-game talks. I mean, there are some fantastic and amazing and inspiring talks out there. And I was searching around this week on YouTube and I found just a compilation of some of those talks that I think is going to fire you up this morning. Anybody want to be fired up this morning? All right, here we go. Let's, let's watch this.
tell you something you don't let in. Nothing. All right, y'all fired up? Man, y'all need more coffee this morning. Come on, that's good. You know, I think about it doesn't matter if it's the locker room or the family room or a hospital room or a war room or a board room. No matter what those situations may be, when we come together and we have a goal in front of us, all of us want to achieve one thing in life. We want victory. Amen? Merriam-Webster defines victory as the overcoming of an enemy, adversary, or opponent. And when we last left Joshua last week, the main character in our series, Strong and Courageous, God was personally preparing Joshua with a battle plan to move him and the army and the people of Israel forward in victory. Just to remember what we said last week to kind of catch us up, we said that Joshua's battle plan included four objectives. Number one, they were going to return to the covenant of God. They were going to remember the promises of God. They were going to request direction from God. And they were going to reverence through worship the character and the person of God. And now we see Joshua on the precipice of heading into Jericho, as we read this morning. And he's got the first battle that he is going to face with the Israelites in this army. And in Joshua chapter 6, we hear his pregame speech. We hear what he says as he talks to his team, the, the Israelite army and the Israelite people, as he leads them into battle. And there's three things that he wants them to know. And this morning I want to share with you, last week was Joshua's battle plan, today is going to be Joshua's pregame speech. Three things that Joshua wanted them to know. Number one, he wanted them to know that victory is settled before battle. I want you to say that with me this morning. Victory is settled before battle. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, look at Joshua 6 verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Let's look at that again in the next slide with a, a little bit more emphasis on some of those words. The Lord says to Joshua, first of all, see. Everybody say, see. He says, Joshua, look up, notice, watch, recognize, check this out, Joshua. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Let's lean in on I. Then who said to Joshua? Who said to Joshua? The Lord. The Lord is, is the I. The Lord says, I have delivered the capital L-O-R-D. We're talking about I am who I am. We're talking about Yahweh, the personal name of Israel's God. And he says, Joshua, 
before you even fight, pal, I want you to know the battle is yours. Victory is settled before battle. Joshua, you've already won. Look at what he says in in this verse that he's won. Look at the next slide. He says, see, I have delivered Jericho along with its king and its fighting men. Watch this. He says, the city is yours, the king is yours, and all the fighting men are yours. He says, before you even step foot into this battle, Joshua, you have already won. Victory is settled before the battle. Now, when you go back one verse before this verse to Joshua 6, 1, watch this. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. Your verse, your your Bible might say tightly shut up because of who? Okay, all right, let's just take a time out. Y'all got to do better this morning. I don't know if it's the new lights have got us distracted or the cloudy skies outside. Y'all got to do better, all right? We're going to do better. Here we go. Because of who? There's my nine o'clock. There you are. No one went out and no one came in. They are on lockdown. Nobody can leave because of who? The Israelites. What, what do you mean? What are we talking about? Will you go back one chapter earlier? Watch this, Joshua 5, verse 1. Look at what this says. It says, When the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan. Now this is the miracle from Joshua chapter 3. When they, all these kings and everybody in Canaan in the promised land, where they're heading, when they heard what happened, it says that their hearts melted in what? And they had no more what? Courage. They're like, if this army of nearly 2 million people cross the Jordan River at flood stage on dry ground, what chance do we have of beating them? And so Jericho sounded the alarm, the first place where they were to stop, and they said, let's go on lockdown. So when you go to that verse, it lets us know that they were already afraid of what was coming. They were afraid of the Israelites. As we said, victory was settled before the battle. They were already shaking in their boots. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. If you're Joshua and you hear the Lord say to you, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, what does that do for your confidence? (laughs) Wow. I mean, you're really going to be encouraged and, and, and strengthened and, and like, okay, here we go. I mean, God has already said we're going to win this battle. I mean, Joshua, we talked about it last week. He's already standing on some pretty amazing promises of God, y'all. God's already told him you're going to lead these people into the land. He's already told him every place you set your foot is yours. He's already told him nobody's going to stand against you all the days of your life. He's already told him as I with Moses, so I'll be with you. He's already told him I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's already said be strong and courageous. And then he says be strong and very courageous. And then he says do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He's got a backpack full of promises already, amen? And then God says, you've already won. Victory is settled before you even go into battle. And can I tell you today, what's true for him is true for you. Somebody say, that's for me. Hey, the Old Testament tells us, 
over and over again that the promises of God are yes and amen and those promises that were true for them are true for us, amen? But you and I stand on this side of the what, somebody? We stand on this side of the cross, which means we have Jesus and the work he did on the cross to back up this fact that's on the screen that victory is settled before battle. Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about John chapter 19. Let's go there. Jesus hanging on a cross for you and me later, knowing that everything had now been what, somebody? Finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a salt of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Somebody say that with me today. It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Mission accomplished. Somebody say praise the Lord. It is finished. The battle has been won. The end is already settled, not just because of what God said in the Old Testament, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, amen? Sometimes I stand in front of a crowd like this at a funeral, trying to find the words to give to a family who's grieving someone that they love, that they've lost. And if they know the Lord, and if they know this Jesus and this Yahweh, this God that we're talking about today, often I'll read this verse that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians where he says, Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will what? Never die. This scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sins its power. But thank God. Are you thankful for a but? But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today that whatever the battle that you're facing, no matter if you're in the battle, if you're about to go into a battle, victory is settled before the battle. Amen? Last week we, we finished this service singing a song called Sea of Victory. Anybody remember that? We sang this song, the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. Come on, sing it with me. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I know serves only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Say that again. My God will never fail. Come on, let's sing it. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. You guys sound good this morning. We're going to do a little call and response right here, okay? Some of you come from a tradition other than Pentecost. You know exactly what we're about to do. We didn't do this very well in the Church of God, Assembly of God. 
But those of you who grew up in Baptist and Methodist backgrounds, you know about call and response. That's where I'm going to say one thing and you're going to respond with the same thing no matter what I say. Your line is, I'm going to see a victory, okay? You got your line, let's practice. Here we go. Here we go. In my family. In my health. In my marriage. In my finances. Over temptation. Over anxiety. Over doubt. Amen? That's good. Are you just saying it or do you believe it? Do you believe it? The, 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 the battle's already won before you fight. That's what we're saying. Oh, let's look at the second verse. Come on. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Here it is. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. Come on, sing it, church. I'm going to see a victory. Come on. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I got a few more for you. You remember your part? Here we go. Over depression. Over pornography. Over fear. Over bad habits. Over the war in my mind. Do you get it? Come on, give God praise for that today. Amen. Hey, that's not just happy talk. That's declaring the word of God over your life. Amen. So what are we saying? Watch this. When we say victory is settled before battle, this is what we're saying. We fight from victory, not for victory. Oh, I've said that many times right here, but you need to hear it again today. You fight from victory, not for victory. The victory is already won. I love this verse that we see in 2 Chronicles where the Lord says to Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged because of this army. Listen, church, whatever you're facing today, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. No matter how big the army may be in front of you, the Lord wants you to know the battle is not yours, but God's and victory is settled before the battle. Amen? That's point one. Man, doesn't get much better than that. Let's pack it up and go home. But there's something else that Joshua said to them. He said, I want you to know that victory is settled before battle, but I also want you to know that victory is dependent upon obedience. So think about this. Whether it's victory, whether it's success on the football field, in the corporate world, in your home, in your marriage, whatever it is, it's built upon foundational principles. If a football team is preparing for the season and they've been running these plays and they're preparing for that first opponent, they've been watching film and they get out there and the quarterback decides, I'm going to do my own thing. Or the middle linebacker who's leading the defense says, we're just going to do our own plays, then they will fail. 
Yes, God had told Joshua he had delivered the city of Jericho in their hands. However, that victory was dependent upon their obedience. There were three instructions they had to follow. Number one, they had to follow specific instructions. When you read through Joshua 6, 3 through 5, look at the specific instructions. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then, after you've been obedient, then after you've done all of the things I told you to do, the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Here are the specific requirements. March around once every day for how many days? Six. Seven priests are going to be out front carrying trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, you're going to march around how many times? Seven times. And the priests are going to blow the trumpets. And there's going to be one long blast. When they get around that seventh time, they're going to blast one long time. Joshua's going to give the signal. Everybody's going to shout. And the walls are going to come tumbling down. Now, this is a group of people who are used to specific instructions. We preached this in January, that when they crossed the Jordan River on Gride Drown, there were specific instructions. They said, have the priest and the ark go out front, and as soon as their feet touch the Jordan River, the Jordan's going to split. They're going to walk out on dry ground. They're going to stand with the ark in the middle of the Jordan River on dry ground, and almost two million people are going to walk through and they're going to they're hang on to that ark until everybody gets through. And then you're going to take 12 stones and you're going to... Specific instructions. So these groups of people, they're, they're used to specific instructions. They were also given unusual instructions. Anybody think that some of these instructions really don't make a lot of sense? I mean, walk around in circles for six days. Why couldn't God just drop it on day one? I mean, if we would have been God, we would have done it that way, right? Because we, we always want the easy way out, right? Ain't nobody here like that, right? Just that, That's the 11 o'clock service, right? It's that group that likes the easy way out, not, 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 not the 9 o'clock, right? No, we like the easy way out. But God had a plan. He, he was doing something that was very unusual. Here's something else that's unusual. Joshua 6, verse 10. While you're walking around those six days, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voice. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So you can't even talk to your neighbor. Those of you who have been teachers, you know what this is like, trying to get your kids from one place to the school to the next, from the library to the cafeteria or to PE or whatever, and you're saying no talking in the hallway, right? You need the, the power of a risen Jesus to make that happen, right? It is impossible. Imagine with this many people walking around for six days and this unusual request, don't talk, don't say anything for six days as you're walking in circles. So they were given these specific instructions. They were given unusual instructions. And lastly, they were given, given sacrificial instructions now watch this. On the seventh day, this is D-Day, right? 
They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day they circled the city how many times? Seven. Good. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout. So they're following the instructions, right? The specific instructions. For the Lord has given you the city. Now watch this. The city and all that is in it. Somebody say all. All All of it is to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute. We hear her story in chapter 2. And all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. And all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. This was the first battle. Listen, this was the first battle that they faced when going into the promised land. God has them poised to give them blessings and resources like they have never seen before. But God says, everything you earn in the first battle goes back to me. Everything you find goes back to me. Every part of of treasure that you find goes back to me. Every pot, pan, spoon, and fork goes back to me. Everything you find goes to me because this is a first fruits offering. You're going to sacrifice. You're going to walk in and you're going to see things you've not seen maybe since you've been in Egypt because these are people who've been walking in circles for years, remember? And they're going to see some shiny stuff. You know, they say that rednecks like shiny stuff, okay? I don't know how many rednecks were in the crew, but I'm going to tell you, there was shiny stuff everywhere that they wanted to grab, but God said, no, the spoils of war for this battle are to be given and offered to the Lord as a sacrifice. Just like a tithe. Just like you give the first 10% of what you make to the Lord and say, God, I give you the first 10 off the top because I say when I do that that everything I have is yours and I'm giving you the first 10. They gave the first fruit as an offering. So victory is dependent upon obedience. It's dependent upon specific instructions and unusual instructions and sacrificial instructions. So what about us? Well, let me tell you something. If you've been reading through Fierce 40, and I know many of you have been with us over the last 14 days. Again, if you haven't, before you go out, grab one of these, or you can find it on our website. As you've been reading, is the Holy Spirit saying anything specific to anybody who's been in His Word? Yeah. Is is the Lord saying anything specific that you need to change? That you need to do better? Is there anybody being convicted by the Word of God as you're reading the Word of God? Hey, my hand's up. And if you're in the Word of God and you're engaged, you're going to be, you're going to be convicted. And there's going to be some specific instructions. But here's what I also know when we're facing a battle. God sometimes has some unusual instructions for us. God asks us sometimes to do things that don't make sense. And just like they walked in circles For days and days and days. Sometimes God calls us to keep praying over that same situation over and over and over. 
Because he's testing us to see if we trust him. When he says, you can trust me, you just keep praying. You stay obedient, you just keep praying. You may not see anything change in these six days, but you keep praying. And what I call that is sometimes we have to learn how to live in the mundane. As Pentecostals, as people who like it loud and proud and exciting in church, Sometimes living in the mundane is tough for us because if we don't feel it and we don't sense it, sometimes we think something's wrong. Listen to me. If you're living in obedience, nothing's wrong. Sometimes God is silent to test us to see if we'll lean in a little bit more on him and see how faithful we truly are to him. And, and when is God, my goodness, you know, I, people sometimes say, I need a word, I need a word from God. We gave you 66 books. Here it is. The person who says God is solid in my life right now, you're not cracking open that book. Because God is always speaking in his word. Amen. So sometimes instructions and things God is saying to us don't make sense. Sometimes God says be still and be quiet. And we just want to say God, but, but what about this? But what about that? And God is saying just be quiet. Keep walking around that thing you're praying about. Just be still and know that I've got it. But God, be still and know that I've got it. I'm not sure. Be still and know that I got it. Just keep walking. Keep walking. What's the first line of that song we sang a while ago? Walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. Anybody in a situation like that? You've been walking, you've been praying over this thing. Hey, keep walking. Keep walking. Don't quit. Sometimes there's unusual instructions. Sometimes there's sacrificial instructions when we're facing a battle. And that's very simple. The, 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 the illustration there is very simple. Just give it all to God first. We read it this week from Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. Put me first. Sometimes I thought about this, and this may seem like out of left field, but if you're, if you're dealing with a situation with your marriage and you're in a battle for your marriage, sometimes you've got to sacrifice in order to turn that thing around. Sometimes that means women, you've got to continue to do what the Scripture says, to submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. You've got to continue to respect Him because the Lord tells you to, not because he's earned it. But you do that as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Men, it means that your job is even harder. You're called to love her as Christ loved the church. And that marriage and that situation may not be turning around. But the sacrifice for you is to continue to share love and grace and care and minister to her needs even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes we get so used to grace that we fail to be obedient. And victory, even though it's promised and assured, is dependent upon obedience. Had they not done it the way God told them to do it, they would have not won the battle. Specific instructions, unusual instructions, sacrificial instructions look at this verse before we move to the last and final point in 1 John 5 
John says this. In fact, watch this. This is love for God. Say it with me. To keep his commands. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And his commands, John said, are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes, that's what we're talking about today. How do we have victory? Overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. The, the world, what? It's obedience. Victory comes through obedience. So, let's return to our original idea as we head to the last point. Joshua's got them all together. He's given his final pregame speech. He has said, guys, victory is settled before we even battle. Guys, victory is dependent upon obedience. But I want you to know one more thing. We cannot do this by ourselves. Victory is fueled through divine presence. We will not be able to do this outside of divine intervention. Look at what Joshua 6 verse 4 says. And I want you to notice. You're going to see it. It's going to be clear on the screen. There's a word that's going to keep popping. And I've got emphasis on it because I want you to see it. Has seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord. And blowing the trumpets, the armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed by, say it, the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. The result of six days of obedience, of being near the ark of the Lord was this. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day they circled the city seven times. And the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, here we go guys, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave the loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in. And what that means is literally the whole city went flat. Not just the entrance. I don't know how, how this plays in your head. But what the scripture says is that they went straight in. They've circled that thing and there's so many of them. They're circled all the way around it. And when they hear it and they shout, the whole thing went flat. 
the entire perimeter, and it says everyone charged in and they took the city. Victory is fueled by divine presence, and the divine presence was the ark of the Lord. Did you see when I read that, I hope you didn't check out for a moment, that every part, the instructions and everything they did all depended upon the ark of the Lord. What's the significance of the ark of the Lord? We're talking about the ark of the covenant. The ark was a symbol of God's presence. Inside that ark were the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, and manna. Those ten commandments represented the word of God. Aaron's rod that budded represented the miracles of God. And that manna represented the provision of God. So as they walked, listen, around six days in a row and seven times on the last day, they walked around with the word of God, the miracles of God, and the provision of God in tow. Then we know it is the Ark of the Lord. Capital L-O-R-D. We've been teaching this here for a year. That that is the personal name that God gave to Moses for his people when he said, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. I am your personal God. God was personally in the mix as they walked around. And then the Ark of of the Lord's covenant. That word covenant is the Hebrew word bereith, and it means an alliance or a pledge. A covenant, an alliance, a pledge to do what? A pledge that we talked about last week, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 17. That ark represented the ark of the Lord's covenant. The covenant that had been made going back to Genesis 17 to Abraham. That he would make him into a great nation and that he would take the land of Cana. And as they began to march around those walls with the ark of the Lord's covenant. Do you know what fueled their victory? What fueled their victory was the very presence of God. Almighty that was in tow right behind the trumpets and right in front of the army. Can I tell you today that anything you do in your life must have fuel. Your car has to have fuel. And I saw a meme this week that just made me smile. It was an electric car plugged up and guess what was running the electricity? A diesel generator. <laughs> Everything, even electric car, has got to have fuel. Your body has to have what? Fuel. Your mind has to have fuel. If you're a boss, your employees have to have fuel. You've got to tell them they're important. You've got to tell them, tell them how valuable they are. You've got to tell them what they do for your team. Your marriage needs fuel. You've got to fill her tank, and she's got to fill your tank. 
Your kids need fuel. You got to tell them that they're fearfully and wonderfully made and that God has a plan for their lives. Everything in our lives needs fuel. Now listen, church, here we go. If we're going to win the victory that's already been given to us through the word of God, through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, if we're going to be obedient, that's not it. We must have the fuel of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For them, they followed the ark and their victory was fueled and empowered. But for us, as we follow Jesus, our victory is fully fueled and fully powered by the divine presence of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and me. Come on, give God praise today if you believe that's true. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 16, it is in fact best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the paraclete, the encourager, the counselor won't come unless I send him to you. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And in Acts 1, 8, Jesus said, but you will receive, somebody say it, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Victory is fueled through divine presence. We've got to stay locked up to the divine presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul comes along and tells the church in Ephesus the same thing. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Oh, y'all, this is so good. What is the Holy Spirit? He is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Every single time you sense and you feel and you apply the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it is a deposit inside of you to let you know that this world is not the end, that God has something greater for us. Can you give God praise for that? Amen. Hallelujah. If we are fueled to live a strong life and a courageous life in a victorious life, it will only come as a result of being fueled by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen. Maybe some of us are not living a victorious life because we're in the presence of everything but his presence. I'm going to say that again because if you miss everything today, get this. It might be that you are not living in victory because you're plugged up to every other presence but his presence. Victory, but you said, Les, that victory is ours. It's already been given to us. I'm being obedient. I'm, I'm not out there doing crazy stuff and sinning. No, yeah, that's all good. But victory is fueled through divine presence. If you guys will send in Kevin to play for me. Brother Lawrence, some of you probably heard of some of his writings. He was a a lay brother in a monastery in Paris in the 1600s, said this about 
the presence of the Lord. He said the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company. Speaking humbly and loving with him in all seasons at every moment without limiting the conversation in any way. A while ago, we sang a brand new song. My goodness, the words of this song should be the cry of our lives. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Victory, it's settled before battle. Victory is dependent upon obedience, but don't miss this last point. Victory is fueled through divine presence. Amen. I'll say it again. It could be that you're living in defeat. Maybe because you're connected to every other presence. And are there so many things today that are vying for our attention like never before? Is, is that right? Can we admit that? So maybe we're giving our presence to everything else but His presence. And that might be the, the very thing, the very reason why we're running dry and running all over the place. We must be fueled through His divine presence. I want you to see one more thing and then we're going to finish. So after all that, put all those points up there, back to back. Victory is settled before battle. Victory is dependent upon obedience. Victory is fueled through divine presence. So what happened in the story? They walked around seven times and the walls fell, right? We said, how did they go in? They all went in, straight in. They all went in. But that's the last thing I want you to see is that they still had to fight. They still had to go in and fight. They didn't just walk in and they all ran and said, No, they had to walk in and fight. They got bloody. It got ugly. They got dirty. Some people got hurt. It was not fun. It wasn't comfortable. It was something that this, think about it, this is not a war machine. These people had never done this before. They had never fought in a battle like this before. But they still had to fight. But because they listened to the speech and they knew what to do and they had done it exactly as Joshua had said they won the battle and everybody knows about the fall of the walls of Jericho I mean even people who are outside of the church it's kind of like one of those David and Goliath stories it's one of those the most famous stories in all of scripture but they still had to fight do you think that the scripture doesn't tell us because I was hoping it would because it would have been a good you know just punch here at the end but I'm just going to ask you when they went in do you think the priest with the ark went in with them <laughs> I sure think they did I think the priest and the ark 
walked in right over all that rubble and the presence of the Lord man I wouldn't have wanted to leave the, the ark out there Chip when I was in there hand to hand with some big old dude much bigger than me I'd say hey, bring that ark I need, I need that divine presence hey whatever you're facing today as the worship team comes on in whatever you're facing today the victory is settled before the battle the victory is dependent upon your obedience but the victory that you need, it is fueled through the divine presence of God. Let's stand together this morning as we close out today. My God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages I'm standing on your faithfulness Come on, let's sing that chorus a few times today Whatever you're facing today, let's say it Oh God, my God, I need you Oh God, my God, I need you now How I need you now Oh rock, oh rock of ages I'm standing on your faithfulness. How many of you are facing a battle today? You're facing a battle or you're in a battle right now? Let me see your hands. Where you at? You're in a battle today, okay? Lift those hands up right now. Lift your hands up if you're facing a battle right now. Come on, lift your voice and sing this over your battle. Come on, say it. Oh God, oh God, I need Come on, invite Him. Invite His presence into your battle. You can't do this by yourself. You can't win this battle without Him. Come on, invite Him into it. Come on. You're standing on His Word today. On His faithful promises today. Oh, you sound good. Come on, say it again. On your faithfulness, oh yes. Oh God, I got you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh yes, I do, Lord. Yeah. Oh rock, oh rock of angels, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness. All right, come on. We're going to sing this bridge. The beautiful part about this bridge, before we sing it, listen, is as we sing this bridge, what we're saying over and over and over is the same God who did it here. The same God, start singing it. The same God who did it for all of them is the same God who will do it for you. Come on, let's sing it. You are the same God. Yes, you are. You are the same God. Come on. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You declare that over your battle today. Come on, say it. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same
Bow your heads in this place. Come on, let's pray together today. Lord, today we declare your word over our situations and over our lives today. We declare today that victory is settled before battle. Say that with me today. Victory is settled before battle. Today we hear your word. And as we've been reading, we've heard your word calling us to a greater place of obedience. So today we understand that victory is dependent upon obedience. Say that with me, church. Victory is dependent upon obedience. And Lord, despite your promises, it has to be accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit and divine presence in our lives. So Lord, every place in our lives where we've tried to push you aside or we're just too busy or we're, we're in the presence of everything else, God, we confess that today and we understand, Lord, that our victory will not be made complete until we are fueled through divine presence. Victory is fueled through divine presence. Say it, church. Victory is fueled through divine presence. So Lord, over your people today, I pray as we get ready to go, that God, you would help us to walk out of here knowing those three things. Knowing today that the battle has already been won. Knowing today you call us to obedience as we fight our battles. And Lord, knowing today, Lord, that the only way we are victorious is if we stay engaged with you, the divine presence of God. We thank you, Lord, that you promised that. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us and you are going to go and fight our battles in every situation. We're praying and believing, God, for victory in marriages, in health, in families, for lost loved ones, in jobs, in provisions, and in the impossible today. We're believing, God, that you are able and you are going to bring victory. I pray today, God, that as a result of your word that's gone forth today, there are testimonies that will follow up this message where we hear the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God in the land of the living. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let me tell you one more thing before we go today, just a little housekeeping item. And this is a good thing. We have had so many people here on campus the last couple of weeks that as you leave, there's a whole number group of people that are coming in and both services have been packed. We had over 400 people on campus last Sunday morning, okay? So nine o'clock, this is what I need you to do to help us. If you can help us leave 
this way. If you'll go around the bend, if you're parked around here, that's easy. And if you want nine o'clock, if you want to come and park on this side, if you don't know, there's plenty of parking over here. But if you're about to leave, I know some of you have got Sunday school this morning, but if you're about to leave, if you could go this way and out this way, that'll help us as the next service comes in at 11. We love you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Have a great week and continue reading the Word. Amen.